Okay. So, um, do you remember the title of the episode? I do. I have it written down. I do have it written down. It is, in fact, a quality of mercy. Mm. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the finale of season one of Strange New Worlds, the episode that unites. And obviously, spoiler warnings if you've not watched the episode. Why are you watching this if you've if you've not watched the episode? Come on, keep. You've had straight, two please. weeks at this point. Exactly. Yeah, we give you a cooling off point. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Unless you're from the United Kingdom and you haven't already got the episode yet because it's not on Paramount Plus. D- don't mind our no. accents. We are from somewhere else. Yes, we're from. Tennessee. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is episode 10, A Quality of Mercy, uh, the episode that brings Pike full circle from the season premiere. Um, mm. This was interesting. I think, first off, a, a few of us were slightly annoyed. Okay, the Screen Actors Guild things, all random big, you mentioned this in the, in the, in the pre-show. Um, yeah. We have to say, yeah, certain people in episodes, you need to credit them, but could they have just stopped and not let us see Paul Wesley's name in the credits? Yeah, would have killed them. No, I mean, well, because there's, there's. I mean, I'm not an actor, but I, I had had enough contact with this stuff that you know, pay scales and you know how you're compensated for your work and all of that. It, it. I think the credits play a part of that, and there are rules and unions to navigate mm. to. You know, you, you have to do that because I know, you know, like. Uh, George Lucas paid a pretty hefty fine for not having opening credits in the Star Wars movies yeah. mm. because of, you know, things like that. So I understand why you really need to do it because it's like, why cost yourself money? But yeah, preserving the fact that Kirk is going to show up in this episode would have been nice. Um, uh, well, it's, it's also especially glaring because I don't know if you guys remember, but Spock and Mark, right? It's 15 minutes into the episode we get the opening credits. Could yes. you not have just waited until the first Kirk scene or the mention of the name Kirk and yeah. then gone Paul Wesley? That would have been a perfectly good stinger for your opening credits thing. Like, I understand that you want to place it at a place where it's like most optimal for impact, you know, a little bit of a breath for a thing. But at some point, if you want to... Because I, I got spoiled, unfortunately, before I even saw that. I, I, saw, I had the misfortune to click on YouTube Ah. Just to click on it, and it was in my recommended videos, just straight up spoilers, like, thanks, so right in the thumbnail and in the title. I had no way of avoiding it, thank you. But for people who had managed to avoid that, and then it's just like, oh, thanks, for opening credits. And the one I think of the most is, um, uh, what is it, uh, A Heart of Stone from DS9 Season 2 or 3, where it's the female founder, oh, and course, she's pretending yeah. to be Kira the entire episode, and they yeah. go to the effort of concealing her name in the end credits and not the opening ones, even though she would be a guest star, because we want to preserve the secret. Because mm, if you get yeah. to the forty-minute mark and you don't and you haven't seen the female founder, you start going, "Okay, so she's playing one of the other characters." Yeah, but you know, it, as you yeah. say, it's one of these things where um, you can't get around it. I just feel like someone should have, in the editing room, been like, "Let's put the intro dot movie dot wav." somewhere else in the editing process you know yeah so i mean this comes like you say it comes at a point where maybe they should have waited but it does already come after the the big reveal so pike what you know uh goes into his, his his office and all of a sudden there's another person in his room and there is old pike wearing the monster maroons wearing the wrath like that was the moment i was watching it and i and my my jaw just dropped about <gasps> the actually recreated that uniform i think we need to have a little spell like we're gonna do our own 
show on Star Trek fashion, but we need to have a little chat about how they've updated this version of the Wrath of Khan uniforms and what do you guys think? Well, I think it's it's consistent with some of the reimaginings that they've done of other things throughout the season. I think most specifically the uh, the command wrap that uh, yes. Pike wore in Spock Amok, where it's it's paying homage to, it's recognizable as the thing that it's referencing, but it's it's different. It's like a little more, you know, for lack of a better word, like kind of vinyl-y, like the shoulders. Yeah, there seems to be that know, kind of... Stiffer, brighter, mm. kind of reflective. It, it's the same Delta effect they've got going for everyone else's uniforms, which I believe is a 3D printed effect. Mm. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's a compromise because they want to go, hey, all of, all of fans, you immediately know what this is and what this implies, right? Yeah. That implies not only is this guy legit because he's wearing an actual uniform that you recognize, but you know roughly the time period that that's set in. So yeah. the fact that he's coming this far back and you already have an existing TOS and a movie uniform existing, something's gone wrong. Yeah. But you also want to signal to the casual viewer who does not recognize that uniform. Maybe they've seen like a, a post or whatever. But they look at that uniform and then they look at the Strange New Worlds outfit that um, Pike is wearing, which is just a slightly updated TOS thing. But they see the consistency in the vinyling of the shoulders and like, these are from the same lineage. But mm. that one is way more militaristic. Because the Monster Maroon is so much more of a military uniform. It has Absolutely, more of that pomp, yeah. more of that circumstance. Compared to almost any of the other like Star Trek uniforms, it is the most immediately identifiable as a military uniform. And like most, so it does a really those, good job of. Yeah. Um, Sorry, like most things with the, with that era of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry hated it. <laughs> like yes, you know. he did, he absolutely loathed that. Yeah. Um, but it's just a really nice visual shorthand, even if you aren't familiar with what that uniform actually means. To go, okay, this is like a very different Pike from a different time period. Um, well, I, and my, then also. Well, and and just and if you are from like you say, if you are familiar with that, then that is a whole lot of visual storytelling and visual shorthand that, mm. without a single line of dialogue, yeah. tells a whole yeah. lot about what has happened. So yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's one of those because we, we, there's this thing in especially in this era of like you know legacy prestige shows, which is all like updates and reboots and premakes and whatever. But this is like a really good example of taking something from your history. And then using it to tell a story within three yeah. seconds. Hmm. Otherwise, there would have been a lot of like, like he says, a war, a war with the Romulans, and you can immediately like kind of work out what's going on. Like he says after anyway, like after the um, Pike has had his vision, but it immediately implies something, and it does a lot of filling in the gap. Um, my problems with it, I, I don't mind the Delta ing so much because it makes it consistent with the Strange New Worlds outfit. That's fine. Um, my problem was with what I think might actually just be slightly faulty tailoring. Um, because if you look at where the flap is meant to open and the band, it's actually way lower on the uniform yeah, than it's meant to be. Yeah, it doesn't it? And if you look at the concept art, which they've released on Twitter, it is in the correct Wrath of Khan thing where it's meant to be more up okay. here. So it looks like someone in the tailoring department maybe slightly messed up, or the band was a little bit thin, or it wasn't fitted quite correctly, and it's hanging a little bit low, so it looks a little bit off. That being said, the fact that it is a proper legit thing that they made, and it's not just a cosplay outfit, you know, like they it they looks, did do and it looks good. It looks really good on Pike. Like it's it, and the one thing I as well, it's you know, this is old Pike. This is Pike, uh, probably like seven to twenty years in the future. 
obviously Anson Mount hasn't been plied with the kind of TNG makeup they used to do to make people old by like putting loads of plaster on them and then making them hunch over going oh the old admiral you know poor D. Forrest <laughs> Kelly in, in the opening of uh, Encounter of Farpoint but they do enough with the makeup and enough with like just shaping his hair and you know he sort of uh, Anson Mount sort of acting he acts a little bit older a little bit wiser to make you think like okay you know this is a more experienced aged Pike even though Pike's not exactly hung in in strange new worlds. He's already an experienced <laughs> captain with a few greys in his hair. Like this, this is an even more older one. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, well, well, I was just gonna say it's like they, like you say, they they did a minimal amount of aging him up mm. and just trusted Anson Mount's acting ability to just make up the difference and yeah. and sell it to where. And I I had read something where Anton Mount was talking about his performance in that scene. And he was talking about, you know, people that are in their 70s or in their 80s, they don't feel like they're 70 or 80. They still feel like they're 35 mm. or whatever. They just, you know, things don't move quite as easily as they used to. <laughs> and your voice changes a little bit. And it's like, and that's what that performance is and, and reads to me. And it, it's wonderful because it, it doesn't, it doesn't over present itself. It doesn't make it, part of the scene like you know admiral mark jameson is in that oh that's the worst yeah yeah it's Uh, like it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb it just (coughs) is and you accept it and then you move on to the plot so absolutely um and i feel like a big part of it is and we're talking about like the the the, the show don't tell that we've talked about a lot Mm -hmm. in strange new worlds about the, the brevity of the storytelling and it's like in terms of um, Pike's characterization in his uh, older form, there is an almost absolute absence of humor. Like he will make a funny line, like he'll mm. like you know, give a glib a, a mark to his like younger self, but he doesn't smile. There's yeah. just like his face barely moves. He's yeah, just like, yeah, no, I, I am still the, the same end. person. When you kind of go when there's someone yeah, exactly. the door, he goes, oh yeah, and then there's a little smirk, and then yeah, he does. He does well, because at that point in his life, the only humor he has left is gallows humor. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's just like a nice way of not only differentiating him as older because he just like he can't be walking all around and being the dad to the ship and being you know like, like clapping his tongs at people. He ha- he is a admiral with a lot more responsibility. Yeah, he does, he does it again. I want to see those tongs um, on the bridge. I want to see them like oh, Lieutenant will take us. Tick, tick, tick. Come on, get get engaged. Because um, it's it's a really nice like um, like acting shorthand for not just hey he comes from a bad future and it's a really bad future from the implication, but it's also just like yeah I believe he's older because he's having to take on more responsibility and he has less to like laugh about. Um, yeah. And humor is such an essential part of what this, especially this characterization of Pike, is reliant upon that you notice it immediately when it's not there. Mm. Yeah. Um, and sort of uh, trailing into that, I really appreciate when Trek sh- when Trek shows and Trek does it a lot. There's like a staple of like thirty different like, episode types that you like. You clock in the first five minutes. You're like, oh, we're in one of these episodes. Good, I like this episode. Um, <laughs> but the characters are aware of it. And they, uh, it's when um, he's talking to his older self. He's like, um, I've been around the block a few times. And I know not to instantly trust someone who's wearing my face. And Admiral Pike is like, yeah, I know. Surnames a lot. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you pull out the deep cut. He's like, it's what I would say if I had to get my younger self to trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like that. Yeah, I do like that. That was just like the embarrassing. Like it's like, oh yeah, he's so ne- like it's not a tragic backstory. Everyone was. I love they sort of add that bit of levity in there because they're like, yeah, the rest of the episode's dark as fuck. But <laughs> you got to have the moments. Well, it's it's the kind of the same thing as the uh, you know the the quiche at the beginning of the last episode. You know the mm. The, mm-hmm. the dinner scene where everybody is you know having a good time. Just that little bit of levity before the darkness. Yeah, well, it's absolutely. like that. It's it's the same thing of, you know, watching old uh, TNG episodes or something like that. It's like where if it starts light, it's going to be heavy. If it starts heavy, it's going to be light. It's you need it's the contrast, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So we've kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but I feel yeah. like we kind of so the essential sort of there's two parts to this episode. I feel like, um, there's obviously the case of my favorite type of trope, which is the the what if, like the if you put this, because um, this is a question that has been raging since at least what the 1980s, right? Who is the best captain? And back then it was you know, Kirk or Picard, and it became yeah. Kirk Picard or Janeway, Cisco, da da da. And now it's it's Pike. going at that question. <laughs> it's well, just not even a question. <laughs> well, okay, this well, takes that sorry, question sorry. and no. asks the and asks the question, "What's the mission?" And the uh, and the answer yes. to the, this That's question a good point, is actually, yeah, because it's a case of. Pike is an amazing captain. He is an incredible leader of men. He's a wonderful tactician. He's an inspiring presence. He's smart. He's canny. He's very diplomatic. But one thing he is not, and there's something I actually really appreciate from his characterization in Discovery Season 2, is he is not a soldier. Hmm. Um, It's a really important part of his characterization in Discovery Season 2 that he and his crew missed out on the Klingon War. And he feels guilty about that, that he didn't do his part. Um, and he, in uh, series season two, he has to overperform and like overstress. No, I would have done my part if I was there. And it yeah, killed me yeah, that I, I wasn't. That. And some of that comes forward into this episode where it's about how balancing Pike the diplomat versus Kirk, who we've seen go through the same series of events, versus Coke, who he described himself as a soldier, not a diplomat. Um, and that tension is really important, especially in a TOS era captain. And so, like, you've got that aspect of the episode. And then there was something that I kind of realized after talking about stuff with you, Idol, um, which is that this existential, like, problem that Pike is dealing with of who lives and who dies and having the knowledge but not the ability or having the ability but having the knowledge to not, not only is it, like, you know, since um, Discovery Season 2 is that has Pike been wrestling with that, but it actually dates all the way back to the cage where that's the reason why he's so depressed and why he has the conversation with Boyce. He literally says, I'm tired of making decisions about who lives and who dies and how much that exhausts him. And then they went like, they clearly went back to that episode and said, what if we take this and then just blow it out and examine it 10 different ways and make it a essential part of his character being about sacrifice. And I feel like that's a yeah. really strong... Like, they pay, they pay so much homage to the cage and the menagerie, a few little bits of characterization. We do have a pipe from the original series. And it's like, I love how they've melded it all together in this subtle way. 
So not not just that. I mean, they, they go back to episode one of Strange New Worlds. Like one one of the I, I hmm. found I found the quote. I, I ended up I rewatched Strange, uh, episode one because at some point we're going to do a season one recap. So I thought I'll go back and watch episode yeah. one. We'll, we'll, I'll go through again. And one thing stood out to me, and there was a, a piece of writing that happened between Pike and Spock, where Pike's talking about you know his uh, experience with um, you know reliving the past. And bear in mind that this has now happened to Pike twice. He's relived the past. He's now relived <laughs> an, a future. And each time yeah. it's affected in a certain way. But a line that came from Pike was, knowledge is one thing, Spock, but I experienced it. How will it live in me? Will it make me hesitant? Cautious? Not cautious enough? I'm already second-guessing my- myself. And that's the last thing a captain could afford. And I listened to that line and I thought, holy shit, that's from episode 10. That could be applicable to episode 10 as well. Like coming full yeah. circle from like arc to arc adding so much depth to this character like i just expected anson mount to come out and be like you know discovery season two and just be like i'm cool we're gonna do cool things but like i wasn't ready for this kind of depth to a character like holy shit they knocked out of the park if this doesn't win awards for that kind of character development what can like it's crazy <laughs> um, well it can't it's just a dopey sci-fi show right th- yeah yeah no so, I mean, genre it. television has never had anything substantive to say about anything um so this is yesterday's Enterprise cross balance of terror. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, I had no idea. It wasn't until right, I had because no, I didn't watch any of the previews. It wasn't until we mm. got into where he'd done the time jump, and he was speaking to Ortega, and you saw the shot of the uh, outpost being destroyed near Romulan space. And stupid me for not realizing this sooner, but that was the moment I went. Oh shit! Are they reliving Balance of Terror? And then he went to speak to Spock and like, oh, it's seven years in the future. I went, I can't believe they're doing this. This is crazy. Like, I was not ex- for a season finale. Wow. So, what do you guys so, think about that that choice? This this being the episode that they choose to illustrate this. Um, because, I think it's inspired, honestly. Because it's really good. Yeah, it's. If you, if because like I was talking with Shy about this, like our, our frequent collaborator and friend Shyborn, uh, and you say, "Oh, Bounce of Terror is one of my favorite TOS episodes," and I'm kind of sad they got rid of the submarine drama, and to a degree they have. Hmm. Um, but what they have instead done is blow out the Cold War overtones of TOS, made it way more overt, and made it more about not just the balance of terror, but what happens when the balance completely goes wrong. Hmm. Um, you big. Well, it's just, uh, yeah, because I, I totally agree. And I think that basically from the TOS era is the only choice that yeah. can really do that. Because that is the only episode that I can really think of where everything can hang in the balance. Yeah. Where the, the consequences are galaxy-wide affecting and showing just what one little change can do that can be completely disastrous and just like a full left turn in your future. So yeah. So what you're saying is they they should have picked the one with the giant space amoeba. That was uh... (laughs) 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 no, No, they should choice. Yeah, no, no. Pike would have let uh, Spock stay on the the paradise planet. That's that's what it was. (laughs) Just something that's. Clearly, you get your rocks off with yeah. Layla Cologne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also really appreciate it because if you look at TOS season one, I'm going off of the Wikipedia order. I understand that obviously there's a different order depending on production and like yeah. you know showing and stuff it's like that. Not too far. So, different. I think it's just the opening episodes are there, but yeah. Yeah. So you've got the man trap. You know, relatively small stakes. Mm. Charlie X. 
Eh, kind of, but like, you know, it was relatively easy to contain because the Thasians were always going to take care of that. Mm. Where No Man Has Gone Before, I don't know, with how Ortegas is characterized in this episode, I always wonder if that happened to someone else. Um, mm. The Enemy Within, that's an incredibly small stakes. <laughs> Mud's Woman, not for yeah, Shatner, that's not it exactly. Wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mud's Women, not exactly galaxy yeah, like level. Yeah, yeah. What a little girl's made of, not exactly. No. Miri, definitely not. Dagger of the Mind, no. Yeah. The Corbinite Maneuver, no. Menagerie uh, didn't even happen. Yeah, yeah. The, the Constance of the King, that's an intensely Kirk episode, so I imagine that never even happened. Yeah. It's only when you get to Balance of Terror that something is like, no, this is a threat to the entire Federation, and mm. this is the first time you get a sense of not just the Enterprise is it on its own out here in the big old wild world, you know, in the Wild West, you know, charting the unstarted thing. It is part of a greater entity, and that entity is under threat. So taking that episode is, like you say, it's kind of the only choice. And it's the first yeah. time that Spock, for example, would have been in danger of dying or being completely dis dismembered, as it were. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was definitely a juxtaposition between the two command styles and like mm. we said earlier in touch point now this is this is a pike this is you know the balance of terror is kind of a a backdrop to pike's dilemma really this is this is the sort mm. of like uh, mm. epitome of his arc but i like and we'll 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 get on to paul wesley as kirk uh very soon because i think we've all yeah. got a lot to say about him but this is definitely the not just sort of the oh what if pike was there this is more like the what if pike was there and also had kirk's viewpoint and what would what would it be like to have the juxtaposition between the two captains at that point? How would they differ over their their stars? And we kind of got that little what if scenario happen out with Paul Wesley, uh, Paul Wesley's Kirk, sort of counter, sort of being the counter to Pike at that situation. Well, yeah. So as the episode as written, it's like, do you need Kirk there because you need Kirk's perspective and mm. you need Kirk's uh, presence? to make the story work not necessarily no what you need kirk there for is you need the absolute you you cannot miss it uh stark reminder that you pike are what is different about the scenario and your decisions versus what kirk's decisions would be in that moment are what the difference is and it just it nothing hammers that home better than having kirk literally over your shoulder making different decisions than he would have mm. made in that situation and cutting to kirk being like i don't think i would have done that just no. over and over again to just hammer that home over and over but the best thing was pike never just went never shut him out he never like shut him down even the point when per, uh, kirk's on the mining ships he said like secure channel to, to captain kirk like he gave him absolute deference of respect like he never just he never got bitchy about it he never went this is my shit my command he they got a little bit frosty but only in the oh, kind yeah. of respect where it's like kirk is coming off of a heated moment where he just lost his ship god knows how many of his crew died he's like feeling a bit bruised ego because he underestimated the romulan commander mm. and it's like yeah no they absolutely would get their hackles up because they are both just like they take this incredibly seriously but well, otherwise the yeah other... they it's you know, okay. oh, well and the other smart thing that they did was they all of Pike's decisions are not bad decisions. They're not not Sorry. unintelligent decisions. It's like you could absolutely see like Captain Picard making almost all the same choices that are mm. made throughout this episode. It's just the consequences of those decisions are bad. Mm. And it's 
what the the real theme of it is is like someone can be a great leader a great captain a great be a great commander of your situation but just be the wrong one for that time for that moment would you even say that it is possible to make no mistakes and still lose <laughs> that is not a weakness yeah i mean it's life it's not often you see the the commanding officer of starship and the leader of uh, the leader of the show say janeway cisco picard whoever um being in command of something okay maybe archer's the exception to this rule but being <laughs> in command of a situation and making what he thinks is all the right choices and the audience thinks all the right choices but then ends up in failure like it it sometimes doesn't all work out and i think that's a very and they've done it in a very clever way and that they've done it in a kind of what if or term priest and you know you know you can't show your lead character being weak you know it's very 60s attitude but kind of still applies for the day you know the good guy has to win at the end of the day but no one won in this scenario and that's very I mean, well we've we've talked before about inversions yeah. of, mm. of things and this is the it's the inversion of it's a wonderful life it's like it's, it's a wonderful <laughs> yes. pike it's like what would life be like if you weren't here it would be better you should yeah. die. Yeah. <laughs> you have to die. Know, yeah. 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 But, well, it's not quite like that, but you're not wrong. You, you know what I mean. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely correct point. Um, because, it, like you say, it's a case of Kirk, Kirk is literally sitting there and he is making the choices that we know work from Bounce of Terror. But yeah. say you're a completely fresh viewer of Star Trek, like of Strange New Worlds that got into you, right? Um, and you don't know what happens to Bounce of Terror. This is just like a weird flash forward to, like, uh, maybe you don't even know what a Romulan is, right? And say you don't have Kirk there, and you don't know, like, everyone knows who Kirk is, so you know that you can take him seriously. But if he weren't there, and he weren't making decisions, and they were being backed up by Spock, you know, you'd be like, well, how could Pike have won? This was a no-win scenario. There was no way he could have avoided this. But the fact that you as the viewer are told by Kirk, the character, and by the meta-narrative of everyone having seen TOS, at least one episode of the TOS at some point in their life, you know, you know that they make the wrong decisions. And it's like, what happens when you put a captain who is more TNG era in sensibility into a TOS situation? Guess what? They fail. Because you yeah. cannot afford to show weakness mm -hmm. in front of at least these Romulans. Um, and these Romulans are amazing. Both in terms of characterization, in terms of visual design, in terms of oh, costuming, really in terms of acting and writing, because <laughs> they do a really good job here of weaving in and out of balance of terror te like, uh, dialogue and making it sound completely naturalistic. Like yep. every now and then, it's like direct quote, new dialogue, direct quote, new dialogue, and you just like, yeah. go back and forth, and it's like these are the same notes but played in a different sequence with new ones in between. I, th I think we yeah. can forgive the fact it's not James Frain as uh, the other Romulan commander, Dude. which would have been so good if they'd done that, but the guy that oh, played that it was so really good. But Stars, tell us about... Uh, you, you fucking, What made me really laugh uh, when we were just watching the show just now, the YouTube comment, because I was saying just like, you know, when he says to Pike, like, another reality, Hugh and I could have been friends, I'm thinking, did he just say that to anyone he meets? And please... <laughs> Yeah, I, I was looking at the YouTube comments for his, like, Death in Stranger Worlds. Um, and someone would say, in some reality, that guy will find a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna work. That line will work sometime. <laughs> like, and some sergeant captain would be like, well, come on over, let's have a cup of tea. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's chat about this. Well, well, the other thing is, like, and I don't remember who, who 
made the observation when we watched it that that seemed like a, a line that he says a lot that, that <laughs> I wish we had not met in this way. And hmm. it made me think it's like maybe that's his uh, his line that he had before uh, dusting somebody. It's like, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> or, you know, it's like a. You know, yes. And I shall rain down with big, you know. So that <laughs> and meanwhile, the, the guy on the other side of the cashew is asking him for, to pay for his four cans of Stella's. Is like, just give me ten dollars, please. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sir, this so is a ten quid. Like, something else. You and I could have been friends. Like, yeah, but we're not, and I need my money. Anyway, sorry, we digress. Um, <laughs> Where's my quatloons, man? Yeah. Okay, so what? What? Which? Um, because the, there were a lot of, you know homages glow ups mm. you know whatever term you want to use for tos elements it's like to me like the two that may have worked the best out of this entire season are one the update on the ev suits mm. because it's a lot of that and two maybe just the update of the romulan tos yeah. look mm. because those the, costumes are yeah so because it's it takes everything that you loved about that look, if you loved it. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I love it. I love uh, it. And, and brought it forward and made it modern and believable in the way that you could absolutely take TOS elements and make them not believable now. Yeah. And so it was just immaculate. I, re I really like the, the the starship design update like obviously they kept the bird of the prey the same there's not much you can do much more with that to be fair but when the fleet warped in it's amazing as is yeah exactly mm. when, when the fleet warped yeah. in they were t the, look, i looked at them went yeah that's what a tos romulan fleet would look like you know very sort of it, it wasn't it wasn't like the copy of Heisang He Fleet from uh, Picard, and it wasn't just like, oh, we're going to get some Star Trek Online assets from, from Picard as well. But uh, it was very much like, we're going to create some new designs, lots of them, and they're going to look like TOS Romulan era ships. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. They look they look a little bit janky because they are, you know, they're sort of like extended pylons. It has that rigid. TOS design element yeah, where it's yeah. like, it kind of looks like shit, but it's part of the charm. Yeah, it's cool, but it, it, <laughs> it works. So, uh, uh, yeah, definitely, like, uh, how much are they throwing at this series? Like, for every... Who is the thoughtful person behind this is going, no, 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 well, we're going to get this right. <laughs> speak, speaking of, of, you know, effects budgets and stuff like that, that intro hero shot of the outpost where oh, they kind yeah. of zoom out mm. from it. The two constitution uh, starships. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many little details on, on the way out. Plus I love that, the little solar panels and stuff like that. It's such a nice little touch. Yeah. Mm. And it's all bright and busy and just and it serves that more of that um quick visual language of you get to see enough of it and see it working well so that when it flips to the balance of terror and you see it destroyed it's like that's a stark contrast too yeah. so that's that's more economy of storytelling too so it's, it's not just a pretty yeah. shot it serves it serves if, a purpose and, it, and it, it perfectly merges with that 60 aesthetic as well like I, I i you put that in the 60s like thing and, and uh, you know obviously i've updated the, but the design is essentially the same i'd be like yeah no that looks like it's got that 60 style to it mm -hmm. like it mm -hmm. it has that style to it without looking completely modern because that there are occasionally things in this that thing where it's like that's a modern concession i understand why you had to do it yeah. but like more often than not, I look at it and go, that is a 60s design, but done with like 2022 technology and finish and love and a big budget. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think like every absolutely every scene from this episode was just gorgeous. Like the the, the when you've got the Farragut and the Enterprise well, shadowing. Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I, I was gonna say when you got like the Farragut and the Enterprise and they're following the asteroid and they're like, oh yeah, and everything from the ship battle to when the asteroid explodes. Apart from one scene, which looks that my only complaint for the episode looks is like dog one shit. scene. It looks absolutely trash, and that's when the commander of the outpost gets wasted and for some reason yeah. he does like about a triple backflip out of the airlock to some CGI smoke yeah. for some it's reason like, they could have just not included that yeah. and just gone oh yeah he's you dead it would have been more horrifying it yeah. would have been more horrifying if you just saw him go uh, bright light gone <laughs> you could have cut that straight into Sharknado and it would have fit like a glove <laughs> It was bad, yeah. really bad. But then it was counted, like followed up with the whole place exploding in such really graph, like really good detail yeah. and some utterly stunning yeah. CGI. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's some... like I, I don't know if someone just like they were on a tight budget or if they they spent too much money doing a Farragut design or if they were like, no, I need to make the comet look so gorgeous and I need to echo like the mm. Mutara Nebula effect with like the flickering lights, but. Yeah. Something, someone on their on their day making that effect yeah. shot did not do no. a good job. And then also, someone in the editor's room should have been like, "No, yeah, no." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, like, you've cut, taken cut twenty hours half, to render this, it. but that's what yeah. happens. Okay, yeah. um, before we move on to the, the the elephant in the room, which is going to be Kirk, uh, I two 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 things I want to talk about. The first is uh, Captain Patel returns, so quite happy to see mm. her come back as Pike's occasional fuck buddy. Um, I am very pissed off because in every scene she's in, she just leaves food. Um, in the pilot, <laughs> she he cooked he cooked her these amazing yeah. waffles. She left them in the series. She was just like oh, spaghetti. He she puts on the plate this amazing carbonara, and she just walks out like she's got no appreciation. It, Pike, you're too good for her. Like just just leave her in the dust. Uh, the other the other thing that's all we're gonna say about it. Uh, the well, other as, thing, as, as Star said, it's like that was your that was your first clue that she's gonna make her heel turn. At the that's end. your yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah, it's like yeah. only a villain would leave spaghetti on the plate. She just walks in, <laughs> takes a bite, complains about it, and leaves. Like, come on! Like, sorry, you won't <laughs> invite to the big ribs barbecue. This is someone with had. no regard for life. <laughs> uh, okay, oh, the dear. second thing. Okay, second thing is, how do you feel about the counterbalance of Spock taking the big? life-changing injury over pike because obviously the implication is the spock will be if he survives will be relegated to the wheelchair and doing the whole beep routine if that mm. uh so brutal. It, okay so it's it's devastating mm. i mean you you have you know roughly 45 seconds to a minute to kind of know that something is coming but you don't quite know what you know mm. while they do the absurd captain pike uh you know 2001 <laughs> video yeah, camera yeah. yeah like it's like all of a sudden it's we're in a puff daddy video or something and, <laughs> and he's yeah. bebopping through sick bay and it's like i understand why you make that choice but it just it it's jarring it, it it's, it's one of those really... things where a good director you can watch it and occasionally they draw attention to a shot but they don't draw attention to their style yeah. Whereas stuff like the hand cam and stuff like flipping upside down for Kirk's maneuver, like I got what you were going for, but I felt like it was more in service of your style than of the scene. Mm. It's fine. It's just a bit goofy and takes me out of it a bit. That being said, it's just something about the scene that we have that goofy handheld camera moment 
and then it cuts to Spock in that bio bed, and you just go, oh, fuck. Yeah. And it's bad. They don't hold back on it. It looks... He looks worse than he did in Wrath of Khan. I'm like that. No, he yeah. can't. He's missing from limbs. That. Like there's bits yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's it's something where, with with Wrath of Khan, it's like he looks like, especially since he he's still standing at the outset of it, and then kind of mm. sounds like, you know, he I could see him coming back from this. You see him on that bio, but it's like I don't mm. want him to come back from this because he yeah. is not going to be Spock anymore. No. If he, and Chapel, if he ever makes like, it off that bio bit at all. Yeah, and Jess Bush, like, she only gets, like, a minute of screen time in this entire episode, and it's like, normally I'd be like, man, that sucks, I love Jess Bush, but fuck if she doesn't knock it out. Mm. Like, you, you hear the tone in her voice, and it's like, she speaks for the audience, she speaks for Pike, who just, he has this moment where he looks like he's about to start crying. Like, he literally, like, he's biting mm. his lip, he looks up, and he cannot bear to look at Spock as he has been now. And, like, she just is... She, like Pike in the beginning, is just disassociating. And it's so heartbreaking to see... Because we've been doing this song and dance, flirting, will they, won't they? Oh, they did, but it's only Mm. in this context. And then you cut to this, and it's like getting punched in the gut over and over again every time you show it. Before we know, in this reality, they had. Maybe it could have been. Like, this. that could have been there. Yeah, we don't know. Mm. Yeah. It's, It's so rough. And it's like... That it says something about how powerful that scene is and how much you believe in it. Because even if this is your first exposure to Star Trek, you know immediately that Spock is special. Because, like, yeah. Ethan Peck's Spock is just so brave and smart and atten- occasionally emotionally stupid, but his heart is always yeah. in the right place. He's loyal, he's dedicated, and he's like, he's dedicated to the Starfleet cause. And just to see him destroyed like that... Even if you don't know what he goes on to do, even if you don't know about Nivar in Discovery Season 3, and you don't know about Romulan reunification or the saving of um, Romulus in the 24th century, you know that this is a massive loss and that things are going to become so much worse because of it. And it's like, you do that in 60 seconds. Incredible. That's a real good economy of storytelling. Like This... Finale is an as an hour long. It's the longest episode of the season. It didn't feel like it. No. Well, and just just the single line from old Pike at the end is like, he's got things to do, <laughs> yeah. and that yeah. tells the entire story of look, him surviving is much more important. Yeah. And that needs to happen. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of weird. He's got some whales to mind meld with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one he's too. Got some marshes to melon. Well, and. I just I like the the simplicity and the matter of factness of it in because mm. read a different way that could have kind of a almost mm. messianic kind of undertone to it. Yeah. But it's 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 done so subtly that it tells you what you need to know and it tells Pike what he needs to know without overemphasizing the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um and especially like they do such a good job with Spock's characterization here because we get I mean, like maybe five seconds of him in the briefing. Like he says, like one or two lines. Um, then we cut to Balance of Terror, and it's a very different Spock. Hmm. He's a little bit standoffish when he gets out of the chair for Pike. Um, he calls himself number one over the intercom, which is a yeah. weird thing you never That's hear Spock strange. ever call himself. Um, and it immediately signals for people who don't know. Say, oh, yeah, now he's the first officer. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and there's just something so much about his delivery and about the way he's so much less emotional that anyone who had um, 
you know, like worries that it was Pep's like um, acting ability. No, it's not the acting ability. It's straight up he is acting the way he is because he is a younger, more immature, less emotionally put together Spock. And then we get to see him here. And it is a night and day difference, even though it's the exact same actor who literally walked off the set filming another scene where he was the younger version. And you're like, no, that's a different person, basically. And it's also really cool foreshadowing for his character growth over the next few seasons. I feel like we're, yeah. we're going to have the young and the old Spock standing next to each other. Like, I'm sure you can tell the difference between us, Captain, in our, in our reflections. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm sitting oh, there as, as Pike just going, uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, so one of the, the most overt homages to um, Balance of Terror is the Romulan appears on screen, looks Vulcan, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone looks, which is hilarious. They play the it so over the top yeah. and it's wonderful. And he raises the eyebrow, and here's the thing. No one can do an eyebrow like Nimoy. Oh, and God, Peck doesn't... He's not been doing a lot of eyebrows this season, and I feel like it's an implicit choice of... He doesn't Sorry, need the eyebrow. Are we saying we're eyebrow. missing the people's eyebrow? <laughs> a little bit. Um, but it's like... Think about how many times like Ethan Peck Spock actually does the whole the the big showy. Mm-hmm. You know he doesn't do it that often, no. and that's because he doesn't need to. Everything yeah. else about his character informs the this is Spock. Yeah. Everything else about his characterization and acting choices get it through like, in terms of the cho- the choice of inflection and tone. That when it happens, you're like, yeah, that belongs to a different character. Um, where that was a bit more jarring in like kind of a different way was Ortegas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was not a fan of Ortegas in this. And like like people said, there's something that's happened between say what we know Aaron Strange Wells now and to what's now in this alternate future. Something's made her very bitter and taking the role of Dr. McCoy and being the kind of hello, I'm the space racist, you know. Um <laughs> Well Styles. Not, not, not yeah, really McCoy. Well, McCoy yeah, was never this explicit. A bit hybrid, wasn't she? She was sort of like the, the, the sceptical part of McCoy, but with the kind of aggressiveness of, of Styles in the episode in, in this regards. But yeah, I didn't mm, I, I didn't gel okay. with it. I, I, only because I, I really like Melissa Navia quite a lot as Ortegas, and I really like Ortegas, that I don't want her yeah. to be a bad guy. <laughs> it's, it's a credit to um, Melissa Navia's mm. uh, acting ability and performance that she is she executes what is asked of her in yeah. this episode and she does exactly what it's meant to do but here's a question do we need that do we need that little thread in this episode to really make it work is that something um, that had to be carried through i mean yes okay you well i'll i'll, I'll counterpoint off you guys what do you think so I feel like it's, it is an essential part of the original episode, and you do get shades of part of the themes of the original episode in terms of her, like, not quite racial, but like definitely like hard-coded against the Romulans-like thing, which is more where Styles had an explicit reason because of his family history and all that. Mm. Um, and then it just kind of, like, I don't know, she has to speak for the aggressive element aboard the ship, because you've got Pike, who is not aggressive by nature, you've got Kirk, who is, in the context of this thing, an unknown element, and he doesn't really give his opinion. You've got Mitchell, who is... You know, I love her. She's a cool little side character who's got a lot more to do this first season than he would have thought. But she, uh, her opinion kind of doesn't really matter. She doesn't really give it. Um, you've got Mbenga, who is, as a doctor, is going to be on the side of compassion and of peace. Yeah. You've, and then you've got Spock, who comes out with the surprise of We Should Attack. And in order to preserve mm. that 
that moment of Spock saying we should attack, which is something that is consistent um, and makes sense when you think of it in terms of brutal, savage logic. Um, you need Ortegas for that context and for that... Because if, if she didn't exist and she wasn't having this moment of, fuck the Romulans, they've been pissing in our yard, Spock's, <laughs> no, we should attack, doesn't have quite the same weight. Like, it would have some weight because Pike is advocating for peace because that's the way he goes. But it needs that out-of-nowhere contrast of, we should attack. Yeah, no, we should. And they're like, oh, I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> well, I, I think more specifically what, what I was getting at, because yes, you do need that. That, yeah. that is what I mean the, okay, the Romulans look like Spock. We should instantly start questioning Spock's loyalty kind of thing. Mm. It's, like, it's, it's only given like two or three lines, but I don't know if though, that even that was necessary. It's like that seems more like a, you know, 1960s kind of thought mm. and idea that yeah, didn't yeah. necessarily need to be carried forward into now. I can definitely see that logic. Um, yeah, no, you're not necessarily it, wrong. It there. seemed to fill the part of like this was in the episode, so we're going to recreate someone to do that, and that could have been Mitchell. I think that could have been Jenna Mitchell through <laughs> that line, but she wasn't a main character, so mm, it had to be Ortegas. I think really in, in that regard, which was a bit of a shame. But I, I do think it does because they do drop the racial aspect to it after the briefing room scene. Like after Spock mm, says yeah. no, we should attack. If I, you know, the whole I love that he said he that delivery of um, you know, uh, these are offshoots of my Vulcan blood as I believe them to be like. He does that, that delivery great. After yes. that, her doubts completely disappear, and it's more just about, no, we need to take care of the Romulans. She is not suspicious of Spock anymore. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Styles in the episode, because I watched it literally like two days yeah, before he, the thing he came, on, he's he? all the way up until Spock literally saves his life and the ship by going into that phase of control room. He is still being a racist asshole. Whereas mm -hmm. Ortegas, because she is a main character and presumably more enlightened and doesn't maybe have the same background that is making Styles act like this, pulls it back almost immediately. That being said, she doesn't pull back the attitude, but Pike snaps her back so hard that she'll feel Ooh. like she's an Academy of Death. <laughs> like, yeah. She does a Riker nice, and nice Shelby. Like, he, he just there, gets... <laughs> well, there's another bit of that here, right? With that, that interplay yeah. of like... Because you never see that. It's such a strong mm. contrast for the rest of the season, and it does really underline, no, this situation is dire. This is... Not just if we fail here, a planet steer diplomatic relationships yeah. are gonna get messed up and a few people will die. This is we will be plunged into a thirty year war. Um what? and you need people acting out of character to underline that a little bit. Well, and it's like and you read it on on Anson Mount's face when he delivers the line, the the stand down, where it's like I can't. I've never turned the volume up on this this high before. <laughs> what is this about? <laughs> I can do this more. Yeah, often. I don't. I don't. I don't think you shouted that hard when that kid got killed in episode six. No, yeah. no, he just kicked some ass for a bit. Um, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, because because of time, let's let's talk about Paul Wesley's Kirk and allow me to yes. allow me to have a bit of time on this one because. When I first when I first watched this episode, and everyone was eager to watch, uh, watch and oh, yeah. see see what Paul Wesley what he brings to the Kirk dynamic and what people expect from someone that plays Kirk. So obviously now we've had William Shatner, obviously uh, Chris Pine, and now Paul Wesley. Um, what we were presented with was a very different 
Kirk. And I think a lot of people sort of, myself included, the first time I, I, I watched it kind of went, oh, this feels a bit odd. And some of that can be explained by the fact that, yes, this is a separate timeline. This is a Kirk that hasn't been brought up with Spock and as, as much with Bones and things like that. Hasn't had that experience uh, on, on the early Enterprise to sort of experience character. But I'd like to sort of address some of the complaints I've seen in the community say, well, he doesn't feel like Kirk because Kirk is brave and rash and he does things out of context. Well, um, rewatching sort of when I rewatched the original series a few years back, like redefined what I thought of what Kirk is, and it's not the character kind of that is like gotta talk. He's not Zach Brannigan. No, he's not Zach Brannigan that does all this. No, no, he's not that. He's very much um, militaristic. He's very sort of by the law. Like he has he has those characteristic pauses, but he does have those sort of moments where he does dress people down. He has those moments where he is in authority. And when I first watched this episode, I was not feeling that with Paul Wesley, and I wasn't feeling the experience and the um, the Kirkness that wasn't Kirkness. I think Chris Pine did it to an extent by the time he got to beyond i think he managed to channel what kirk was as in regards to the original series and well, not necessarily what shatner brought to it by by the movie but movie area yeah. but i didn't feel like any of that with paul wesley however can, really, I, can I jump in for a second go on yep i feel like it's almost an opposite issue where in the kelvin in the first two kelvin movies it's not pine's performance it's the writing yeah Whereas in this episode, I feel like it is more a case of the writing and the characterization is good. It's more Paul Wesley's yeah. performance that is odd. And like you say, keep on going because there are yeah. reasons for it. There are, there yeah. are. And so like the first time I watched this, I was like, oh God, I'm not... I'm not... <laughs> um, the first time I watched this, I wasn't entirely feeling Paul Wesley. I was just like, this doesn't feel... This feels like any other captain. doesn't quite feel like it's mm. a Kirk to me. And like I say, it's not because of, like, the stilted talking. It's not that. And it's not about the kind of what Sam Kirk says earlier in the episode about, you know, Kirk's rash and brave. And he is like, well, no, he's not. He's, he's a military man. He takes risks because risks are our business. But I feel like... Um, but the second time I watched it, when we watched it before this... Um, there was a scene where Kirk confronts Pike after the Farragut is lost, and on the second time watching, you hesitated. Like, he, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the whole scene. The second time I watched that, I kind of, with the eyes of like, now I kind of know what Kirk is and what Paul Wesley's bringing. I kind of went, this kind of does feel like Kirk. Like there's a little bit in there. Okay, he's not talking the same kind of mannerisms, but the attitude he presents and the way he he deals with it through the writing kind of. Yeah, I could see that gelling, that if we were to then finally meet Kirk of this timeline, say seven years ahead, because that's that's mm. the bullet point. People are looking at this Kirk to think, are, are we being judgmental of this Kirk? Because we're expecting them to kind of go, right, Pike's out, we're now going to do a TOS series. Like, that's what everyone is thinking. They're going to do TOS with, with Paul Wesley and uh, Ethan Peck. And they're going to do a few episodes maybe before, and we're going to see Paul Wesley as Kirk. We're judging him already, and we're already sort of setting that precedent to think like we're expecting the series might not happen. Probably won't. We'll probably get Stranger Worlds till Anson Mine says I'm done with this, and then they'll cut it, and we might not ever get a Paul Wesley Kirk. But there is that expectation. We're already pre-rambling to say like this is what we want, and that's 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 my monologue done. That's my Kirk style. No, no, no. You, you, we've been monopolizing done. it. <laughs> so. 
I feel like there is an important bit of context for this, and this is something that I've seen in the conversation. I think it was an interview with Henry Alonso Mayers and or Kiva Goldsman, who mm -hmm. wrote on this, uh, this yeah. episode. Um, and we're talking about uh, this is a Kirk who has not been in command of the Enterprise. He has never met Spock until this day. Um, he is implicitly written differently yeah. to be to Which match with the the situation he's in. Um, and it's a case of. The, this is a Kirk that is has actually, when you think about it, he has had his one true love, the actual Enterprise, stolen from him. His moment of greatness, his one, his first best destiny, has been stolen from him. That is his. That is another casualty of this thing, and that goes almost completely uncommented on. There is no meta narrative. Pike, do, like you know, Admiral Pike, doesn't know that because he doesn't know what the normal timeline is meant to look like. So there is no one to point out that Kirk is acting a little bit differently, even though he is, because it's not about Kirk. It's about mm. Pike versus Kirk in terms of command style. So it's one of these things where it's like, imagine your first exposure to Captain Picard was yesterday's Enterprise. An alternate timeline where things are worse and he is not the man he is meant to be because the situation around him has not allowed him to grow into the man he ultimately can be. Suddenly, it's a very different character who's a lot more limited. And Paul Wesley portrays that. I do think there is a little bit too much open-mouthedness, a little bit too much head-bobbing. It's just like, yeah. maybe it was because I was just watching him a little bit too attentively because I'm like, we I'm really aggressively was. judging this Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Every time he's on screen, you're looking at him and judging what he's doing. And I feel like that's almost a really unfair thing to bit, put yeah. on an actor. Um, well, it's, it's impossibly unfair because you're, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're, you're judging this person who has played this character exactly once against the face of the franchise yeah basically and it's it's yeah. a weird thing to kind of come to terms with the fact that it seems to be more difficult to capture the essence and the spirit of kirk than it is spock which i never would have guessed mm. before mm. i've seen it done so well it's like <clears throat> i mean zachary quinto's spock was was perfectly well done and i think uh, yeah. had we not seen ethan peck spock we would think oh that's a that's a a great modern day take on the mm. character, the great modern day take on the character. Mm. And now we've seen Ethan Peck do it again. Uh, you know, you can take your pick, which one you like better. I think, I think I prefer Ethan Peck Spock at mm, this point. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, getting, and it's an overused word and I, I use it hesitantly, but up this version of Kirk just lacks that swagger. Hmm. Yes. That, that, Kirkian yeah. mm. swagger about him to where he's, you know, he's the the biggest swinger in the room, you know, the, not to use the whole He needs a little smirk in his, in his face. He needs, needs to have that little smirk yeah. and a, a little quippy comment before he gets down to business. Like, yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. Well, and it's part of it is because he understands in this situation and it's a different situation that he is the clear number two mm. decision maker in yeah. this situation. Uh, but you know, it. I always felt that Kirk in TOS was not going to let someone else tell him what to do. He absolutely. was going to take charge of whatever situation he found himself in. We've never yeah, seen. Uh, 
we've never seen a situation where in any series ever where where Kirk is not in command of the situation. Like he's if he's, even he's, if he is not in command of the other people in the room, like say like in Kelvin. Is, yeah. Like think yeah. of that scene in the simulator room. Now I disagree with some elements of Kelvin Kirk's characterization because of the timeline changes, right? But he is in command of that room. Yeah. Even though, yeah. you know, like Quinto Spock is running the simulation, even though everyone else is partaking in the thing, he is in command of that situation. Even though he's not, he's just a cadet, he still yeah. has command. And that's what he like projects. And you're kind of right. Like Paul Wesley doesn't really have that because he can't, especially because Pike is in the situation and Pike has this completely different aura of charisma and has been inured to the watchers so much that you're like, well, if they try to make him too swaggery, he'd just come off as a dick. So instead, yeah. <laughs> what they do is they character. Instead, what they do, and I kind of appreciate this, is they characterize him as right. Yeah, and he is right mm. in almost every call that he makes. He's only um, right though. He's only right because we know he is. Like, if we yeah. didn't have the balance of terror as a background, <clears throat> would we think, oh, he's taken too many risks? Would we think Pike was the right well, one, but it led to unforeseen circumstances? Like, we, well, we know he's right because like we've you're, seen it you're, happen. You're, you were talking about before, it's like people watching this uh, uninitiated to TOS and balance of terror. It's like, how does that play out? Well, it's really not supposed to play out that way. This, this story works because it kind of assumes that you have the prerequisite of watching the reference the episode that it's referencing i made the de the decision and i still haven't i did not go back and watch balance of terror mm. around mm, i did i'm i'm just i'm relying on my legacy knowledge of mm. the episode to kind of get me through but uh and and the episode makes it clear too like you say they cast kirk as right and yes. it's like yes you 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 can't in that situation uh like know in advance that all of his decisions are going to be right whatever but the episode tells you that they are mm. and that that's the point mm. it tells you that kirk's decisions were right kirk is the man for this situation and because you put yourself there of your own volition because you wanted to save yourself from your fate this is the consequence mm. and that's absolutely yeah um and it's also a case of uh, some of those other elements come together in terms of like the by the bookness, like when um, they say, "Oh, so should we go into the neutral zone and like you know like uh, get aggressive with them?" It's like, "Well, no, my cat and Pike is correct. We should not be overly aggressive because of the terms of the treaty, but we'll still do the shadowing plan. You know, still taking risks, but with yeah. that by the book approach to it. And that's why I think this version of Kirk, like, by he's probably way book. stronger Mr. by <laughs> the book, yeah. Mister. <laughs> He the characterization is so much stronger on the page, and he I feel like Paul Wesley is almost being held back by the situation that he's in. And I am more than willing to give him another shot. Oh yeah, I'm really interested to see what the um, characterization is going to be like. And are we going to get to see Kirk and Spock meet for the very first time? Um, what is his relationship with Lan going to be like? Because we've yeah. seen shots of them together. Because she's his executive officer in this other timeline. Yeah. What is this Kirk like when he's being funny? That's it. Kirk that is, is a really it. I need to funny see that, character. I need to see that charm. I need to see the swagger. I need to see like off duty, a little smirk on, a little cheeky smirk on his face as he's sort of like poking. I need to see yeah. him womanize a little bit because all well, due respect to Garrett Wong, like, but I'm sorry, Kirk is a. Well, <laughs> he is, but maybe we can way. go without it. In a guess what? There's womanizing in your like Sean Connery uh, man talk smacks a woman's like bum yeah. versus the. 
I'm actually just that naturally charming and charismatic, and I'm not like yeah. looking to get my, myself like you know, away. But if it happens, I'm going to be happy to see it. And I feel like that second one, like that's something that Kirk is like. If you take the characterization as on the page, as like you know, is he is a man who is free with his affections because that's what he believes in. Yeah. Because the Federation is like that. You can have you know, sexual relationships, whatever you want, as long as you do it responsibly and you don't do it stupidly. I, I think, and I'm, I, I think, think that's an element of his character that's fine to retain as long as you do it well. I, I think with this Paul Wesley Kirk, we need to have that moment where he has the big speech. We need to have that yeah. character-defining moment. We need to have that moment where he takes command of a situation where he has the authority to pull off what Kirk would do in a reasonable manner that would send everyone to kind of just kind of go wow yeah that works the situation resolves itself and then he has a cheeky little smirk with McCoy at the end that just goes and you get that little music at the end and like everyone <laughs> smiles and the episode ends and we go off to an advert break um <laughs> yeah um so one other thing that I think and you're talking about it in terms of why is it so much harder to cast a good spot a uh, good Kirk versus a good Spock and I feel like part of the problem and we were talking about this in relation to the conversation we have with Sam Kirk, um, is that Kirk has a really weird characterization in terms of if you add up everything that we know about his backstory and what they say about him versus what he's like, it's kind of a contradictory character. So, like, as a child, he witnessed the Tarsus IV massacre, which they named Jack. Um, his father is a tried-and-true Starfleet officer. Um... He's gone through served all these on the Kelvin. Like he... They mention it. They say served on the Kelvin. So they do. happy they did that. By this point, he has gone through the Dichronium Cloud Creature Massacre on the Farragut. Also. Has he? Yeah, that was 2257. That was two years ago. Oh, like shit. nine okay, years yeah, ago yeah. by the time of the Balance of Terror thing. Yeah, so by the time we meet wild. him in season two, that will have happened. That'll be recent. Um, and then there's like reconciling oh, you were a big old pile of books at the Academy. You were an instructor. You got <laughs> bullied by Finnegan and whatever, you know? Versus <laughs> oh, the... God. Yeah, if we could forget Finnegan, that'd be great. <laughs> well, versus... How you doing there, Jimbo lad? Let's have a fight now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> versus, I don't like to lose. I got a commendation for original thinking for cheating on a simulation test. Like, these are kind of contradictory mm. elements of the same character. And I don't envy trying to marry all of these aspects of the character on top of all the pop culture baggage in one episode when you're not even the focus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, and where you're where you're not exactly that character because exactly. of the divergence yeah. in the timeline. Yeah. So well, and it's it's also a fine line because I feel like almost doing a Leonard Nimoy uh, Spock homage mm. is an easier thing to accomplish because most yeah. of it is pretty subtle. It's pretty down key. And that the, the as you say, the cultural baggage of the Captain Kirk, William Shatner impression mm. is so embedded in, yeah. you know, Every, yeah, because that's the other thing. Yeah. It's like on the flip side, Spock is so much more consistently characterized and written yeah. because Leonard Nimoy has so much more of an active say in what that character was like. Yeah. Whereas Shatner kind of he yeah. had a degree of control over what he was doing, but more often than not, he was happy to come and walk on the set and say the lines he was yeah. given. So yeah. it, uh, that contradictory element plays out I way mean, more. There's 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 so, like, there's in... two there's sorry there, there's two main sort of like you know cultural 
touchstones for like what people think Shatner is. The first one's obviously Zap Brannigan from Futurama, which really sort of spread it out there. But the second one is mm. if you ever watch it, go watch the In Living Color sketch with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey as Camden yeah. um, Kirk, which really kind of uh, yeah didn't help the sort of like like kind of. It's always that kind. Of, I, I actually generally think this is a misconception of what, yeah, what what Kirk is yeah. from what you you go watching TOS and you can't, especially uh, the troubles and tribbles when he's dressing down Scotty and sort of goes to that levity between telling him proper telling him off and sort of the statue and then sort of having a sly little sort of nod saying like yeah go read manuals in your quarters like I, I feel like there is a, a cultural misunderstanding versus what Paul Wesley is giving that maybe he could kind of unify it a, bit, a little bit. Yeah, I feel like we just need to... Oh, no, you go. Well, I was going to say, I, I expect he plans to. And yeah. this this was just an aside to what he eventually plans to do with the character. Hopefully. Maybe. Yeah, and, and it's also... I, I feel like it's a smart move that Pike is going to retain this knowledge. Like, Think about this, right? When yeah. Pike goes back to 2259, he is the only person in the entire Federation who knows what a Romulan looks like. Yes. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah, actually, I didn't think of that. That's he is burdened with so much future knowledge now. Pike knows more about the future than almost anyone else in the entire which, federation. Which That's makes crazy think. to think about. So okay, let, let's move on to the section. Like, what next? Like, the ultimate question is, and this has been on a few fan sites as well. Like, are they gonna are they gonna get Pike to escape his fate? Like, obviously, him getting blown up and saving the cadets. That's gonna happen. Him ending up in the wheelchair is going to happen. Him going to Talos Four and being mm. sort of holographically recreated by the the Talosians in a form where he can spend life with Vina is going to happen. But do you think there is a hopeful part of that that may end up with him coming out of that? Because they kind of seem to be setting up all this, um, you know, the, the premonition of time. You know, the premonition of what's the what's the word for premonition if it's if it's in the future or like. Oh, no, that is a premonition. premonition. Yeah, that is a premonition. premonition like yeah. all these premonitions of like his life to be that have been alluded in the series when they didn't have to. They could have made it a kind of like, Haha, here's a nod to just the viewer. No, they've outright said that this is your fate. Are they going to sort of work their way around it? And I think that's the real well, question because it's, it's been it's been there the whole time. Here's the thing: it's telling, and I, we don't know what it's telling for that. The Klingons showed Pike his fate up to the accident and the result of the accident. Mm. But he didn't die, and they didn't show him what happened beyond that. Yes. Why would they make that choice? Why would they leave him in the despair and existential dread of knowing only up to that point in his future without any... Uh, idea of redemption or uh you know that your life is not you, you will be able to experience the rest of your life in a state that is not exactly the state that we just showed you why would they withhold that information yeah i've know. been sort of curious as to how much he knows about if he's going to get to tell us for or not um yeah. in reference to the point i think it's a case of specifically showing him the accident and making him experience it because he like you said idol he experiences it as well as knows about it it's yeah. a test of character like in the moment and it comes from discovery season two it's explicitly a test of character to make sure that you don't take this lightly um but i do wonder how much he knows and they haven't like they do some stuff in discovery season two to make 
the menagerie like ending seem a little bit nicer where it's like no Vina seems like someone who does genuinely care for him and will give him a good life um but it's a case of that tension of mm. that being said I don't know I feel like the, the the episode is like very explicit stop dodging it everyone has their date with death yeah. you have to just accept it you can't cheat death forever you know, it's literally, we keep on bringing back Ralph Carr, but that's because it's such a, it has so much to say about the human condition. You know, it's, um, you know, I've never cheated death. Like, I've never faced death, not like this. Mm. And it's like, Pike I'm is dealing with that in his own way. <laughs> well, oh, wait, that's fine. Um, Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, and, well, why, why this, are you doing this? Th this reads to me a lot the way that um, the end of Elysian Kingdom read mm. to, to me as far as the resolution of that arc. It's like, this is written to me to be, okay, we're going to put a bow on this for an indeterminate amount of time. Like, this this was the resolution of Pike coming to terms with his fate again, again. Mm. Uh, and that, yes, you could make different choices, but the, now you see what that will do. Mm. So let's just forget about that. And now, especially because of the thing that happens at the very, very end of the episode, he's got other yes. fish to fry now. And so uh, I think that's going to be where the main focus is. And it may come back again, but I think that this is going to be the end of Pike's ultimate fate as a going concern for a while. Same. Um, what I think is it's really interesting because with all the thematic links, and especially the link back to episode one that you pointed out, Idol, this is essentially Pike's season, right? It's his yeah. story arc. There are elements of his story arc that keep on popping up in almost every episode, with the exception of one or two. Like, I don't think it really played into Elysian Kingdom or anything like that, but that was, that was a Mumbang episode. Um, but I'd say the majority of the episodes deal with that. And as you say, we've put a bow on it. He has come to a, a, hap a, a you know, as, as happy as he can be place about it. Mm. Um, and At now least. I'm wondering... A piece, exactly. Like yeah. the, not what you'd hoped, but it's what you had to live with. And I'm wondering, does that mean season two is Una's season? Like, is that how we're doing it? Instead of just so. episodes, Lord, is I it an so. entire yeah. season where it's like everything ties back thematically to that one character? Yeah. And if so, that's awesome. That's a really cool way to structure your show. Where I never felt that. I, I, maybe Ortega's got shortchanged. She didn't get a proper focus yeah. episode, but she was in everything and got to do stuff. But, you know, like Mbenga, Uhura, Spock, they all got their focus episodes, and I never felt they got shortchanged, but Pike was still the focus. If we can shift that so that it becomes way more yeah. about Una in season two, that would be really cool in terms of what it does to the show and how it changes the tone. This this sounds Especially like something. Because... That, uh, this sounds like something we need to talk about in our season one recap episode, which we'll be doing soon. <laughs> yes, um, but I have to ask a question. Go on. Who do you think snitched? Lon. What do you mean? Really? You think Lon would snitch? Oh, on oh shit on Una. On Una. Yeah, yes. Oh, who who, who told no, them? No, wouldn't be Lon. No, not a chance. No, well, she okay. wouldn't. She's the, she's the, a the, best friend. Literally. Just my my head. My head canon idea. Well, she mm. didn't know what Una was until, you know, episode, episode three, three. Yeah, yeah, and she was still coming to terms with that, and she lived a life of being uh, associated with the negative consequences of genetic engineering. 
and having to live with the uh, biases of people that come in contact with something like that. Mm. Uh, so it, I, I don't know. That's just a shot in the dark. But I, I just mm. think that there, there has been no other reason to have the last name that he has. Mm, other yeah. than that that's not resolved it's interesting like they yeah. just kind of threw yeah. it out there. they're just so, leaving it on the table they're leaving it on the table yeah, yeah. okay if i was to say so. who's to snitch and i think this might be uh, i i think it was chapel i think really well she's got no real no this is real, this is what this, no interaction it's what i love about this you could say anyone's name and i'd be like <gasps> she's well she's had no real interaction with una she is still as cavalier as she is. She's banned by medical profession. She's probably got the same medical access that Mabenga has. So she's seen, like Mabenga. I don't think it would be Mabenga because, like, she did him a solid with no, her daughter. No, they're tight. They're tight. They're there. They're. She did him a, a solid with that thing. So I, I think Luna's probably looked through it, gone like, put two and two together. Uh, sorry, a chapel's gone through it, put two and two together, and like, gone. I should probably report this because she's not entirely solid with the apart from Spock, who she's just all eyes over. Like she's not really a part of the crew yet. She's the civilian exchange. So I'm wondering if it's her. And I'm it, gonna have to talk. It would kill me if it was because I'm literally Jess Bush's biggest fan. At the well, moment, I, but... I can reassure you, it's not <laughs> Chapel because you're forgetting some key points of dialogue from Episode Three. Namely, I know there are regs against mixing um, Federation uh, and uh, Illyrian blood, but I couldn't care less. Okay. Um, oh, I'm well, kind of She then. straight okay, knows. Okay, so. fine. But fine. and then. Going, going back to my lawn theory, it's like maybe that was a secondary reason, plot reason, that they needed to get her off the ship the episode before. Mm. <sighs> well, That'd be so, like That's the thing. I'm coming from this point of like, I can see it, but it would cause such a painful character drama. Like, I don't want it to be. Maybe it was Ensign yeah. Christina, that little snitch. Yeah. <laughs> sure to be trying she to enterprise bingo. Her and her friend. Like, <laughs> She wants revenge for the Enterprise bingo. I don't know. I... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or, or, I, I it, was, or like... it was Chief Kyle. It was Kyle all along. He's so He's mean. seen the transport he's buffers. So he knows he's been through the filters. He's seen the irregularities. He knows. I, I feel like the most natural, th the most obvious one, and the one that would get away with least character drama is they looked at the logs about the light plague, they noticed some things weren't yeah. adding up, and they looked into yeah. it deeper, and then they... It was went, Una that's like she, the most... she turned herself in through the guilt. I could see that. That's why she... No, she wanted to do it for the drama. Yeah. She's like, no, you will confront me. Um, I like, know. look, I'm it's not getting any other character arcs. I gotta make this happen on my own. <laughs> I'm gonna steal the show focus. Yes. You yeah. have to search for me in the next season. Um... <laughs> That's the thing, it's, it's such a juicy plot thread. And I remember when we did the watch through for episode three, uh, Big, you said this is a really cool character arc that we know doesn't get resolved by Bashir's time when it next pops up. Mm. Yeah. But will it come back? And who, boy, has it come back? It's come back with a vengeance. Mm. Um, and it's come back with... I'm curious with how... For, for, for a person that doesn't like to, you know, finish their meals, she sure does like to finish everyone else's meals, and that's Captain Battelle. <laughs> you know. Mm. <sighs> I eat your uh, milkshake, I drink it Sorry, up. I have to think about wasting yeah, food in my house. If, if anyone of my boys leaves food on the table, like, no, you're eating it up. It's not, we're not wasting food here. <laughs> I, I think uh, Pike can consider that an RSVP no for the Asabuko. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right, There'll okay. just be an empty place with like a food, and he's like, "Yeah, not for Captain Patel." Yes, <laughs> we're allowed one. Um, um, okay, what, what's, what's our so, rating? 
Uh, well, I was going to say one other thing. Um, oh, Lan looked great in gold. Oh, she did. And I really appreciate yes. that as a subtle little nod of we're going to be heading in this sort of direction. This yeah. is a possible no, future for her for season two. I can yeah. totally see it. For a character arc of hers through this season, just for the one season, like her going towards command with Pike tutoring her for her, uh, looking after Uhura and other things as well, and her dealing with her own issues with the Gorn, her going up the command track, completely logical. I love it. Like, I think that'd be great. Mm. I could see her as a captain one day. Like, yeah, give me that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And it's a really nice little subtle nod at season two. Mm. So, how many um, Vulcan deaths by democracy out of ten would you give this <laughs> um, <laughs> give this episode? I haven't actually thought I, of this. Yeah, mm. I, I've not really given it thought to give it a number. Um, because it's it does, a it really does. strong episode, it's in my opinion. Yeah. I think I think it, I'm a nine. I think I'm there. I think you're at nine is, Vulcan deaths by democracy. I I am I am I am hesitant because of Kirk and also a few little dodgy CG bits, a few little dodgy directorial things with the camera angles. Mm. Um, Storyline wise, is stunning. Like it's Deckable, yeah. It, it's there from the moment you get like alternate Pike coming through, teaching a lesson about the past to the juxtaposition about the two different command styles to where Pike could be wrong yeah it's just great it's just so good and it feels yeah, I, I hate to hate to say like it feels trek like because it's like what is the bar of a trek these days like is there isn't really anything it could be anything from like in the pale moon literally remaking keep... another episode of it, star trek it so is but it can't get much more trek than that it works like it was something i didn't expect the best version and... of shades of gray ever <laughs> Yeah, that's the next reboot. That's the end. Hey, we haven't got to the season two finale yet. I fucking dare to go back to Serata Four. Let's do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think I'm at a nine too. Just because it it resolved so many things and it did it in a way that I was not expecting. Uh, it really, like I said, closed the the loop on the Pike story sooner than I was expecting and more completely than I was expecting. Yeah. And then also, you know, paying homage to some of the best aspects of TOS, um, which, you know, that's what a lot of this has really been about. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of the same concerns. Um, I, I think the way that they used, like, or Ortegas mm -hmm. was, I, I mean, I see why you did it, but I don't think it was as necessary as they thought it should mm. be. Uh, and also just like you could have given that to another character um, but uh, you know and things like that and I'm yes the we're still very much giving an incomplete grade to the Paul Wesley Kirk uh, we don't know to what it's really going to be yet yeah Pending, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah I, I would say a nine definitely I, I'm going to have to go for nine Vulcan deaths by democracy out of ten for this one because as you say the, the thing is with Paul Wesley is that the performance was like we've, we've talked about it. It's like a little bit distracting in places. I was constantly paying attention to it because of the nature of the thing. But the writing was so good for him. Yeah. It was such a eminently. If you take it just on what is written, I think he's a very good version of Kirk. Um, he's just missing some of that performance elements. Yeah, I'm willing I think to every, depend like I said before, on that. Every, everything but that scene where him and he confronts Pike in his quarters when he comes in and goes, you made the wrong choice. Like everything, that was a great Kirk scene, but everything else was a bit mm. like, mm, I'm not, I'm just not feeling it. 
Yeah, it's know, the case the, of I'm, I'm, and I don't know what I was looking for. Like that's the thing. I'm, mm, I'm yeah. watching him intently, and I'm not sure what I'm looking for here. But the way that that Chris Pine, I managed to kind of go, yeah, okay, fine. I let him have a pass, but this one I'm a bit more critical, and I don't know why. So, no, no, absolutely. It is one of those things where we're going to have to revisit this once we get our first few. I'm wondering if we're going to get a, a Kirk focus episode next season, and I'm kind of Probably. interested to see if that what, what that will go with. Um, It'll go the other way, but. And we're here on the planet. <laughs> you know, he'll go completely the other way and lean into the spoof and be like, "No, why?" <laughs> He's like, "You wanted this. You said I should do this." Yeah. Um, yeah. No. It, uh, you know, like uh, opinion pending. I'm willing to give him a shot. Mm-hmm. They have not steered us wrong on a single casting choice yet. Mm-hmm. Every single person they have picked has paid homage to the original without being an impression. They have shown that they can do those lines just their own way and put their own spin on it while also retaining the essential essence of the character. And then they can bring us a brand new characters who we fall in love with over the course of nine episodes, some of which they weren't even in, kill them off, and we're like, fuck you, how dare you? Because <laughs> we love them oh, so much. Oh, it just reminded me about Hammer. I'd forgotten about Hammer, and now you remind yeah, me. Yeah, now you had. Um... <sighs> I'm willing to give them a shot on. They've not met, like, messed us around so far. Roll on season two. Yeah, nine out of ten, nine out of ten for me. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, a bit longer than our usual episode, but obviously finale. Why not? We will be doing a season one recap because I think this whole thing needs a good talking about. It needs needs a thorough investigation because this has been stunning. Like, uh, and we'll, we'll go over that. Keep an eye. Out. Uh, we'll be doing that like in a week or so. So it was uh, so upsetting waking up the other day and realizing I didn't have a new episode. I to watch. know. Oh, it's yeah. like wake up in the morning. Ah, oh, I need more. I need more ends of the in my life. Oh, never mind. <laughs> back to back to Twitter. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't go there. That's a silly place. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be back. Yeah. Keep an eye on the on the channel for our. I think in about a week or so we're planning to do it if uh, schedules demanding. Because obviously we're a week late with this one because we quite a line um but yes uh look out for that one and all our usual rubbish but uh this has been good fun and we'll... also go on if we are planning if you are going to have like withdrawal symptoms like we're having we may well be doing a discovery season yes. four series like this because neither myself or big have watched it and i game for a rewatch no. I'm, I'm excited to rewatch so. it as well so i've i've i might try and rewatch season so three watch the space well. yeah yeah we'll, we'll do more, more reviews this is a kind of our first re- first review season and i think it's worked really mm. well i'm quite happy about this so yeah i'm excited to go yeah through i like some... it we'll, we'll do some other things My i think at some point as well we're going to get on with shy and do some episode classic episode reviews as well so uh, mm. we'll get on with that uh but from uh, myself and the guys we'll, we'll see you very soon live long and ta <laughs> <laughs>